Welcome to the Indian's Guide to Studying Abroad, a podcast show that provides you with the information you need to study in countries such as the UK, Australia, the US and Canada. I'm Dr. Andrew Kutan. And I'm Professor Tony Stewart. And we're the co-hosts of the show. In this episode, we'll be talking about COVID-19 and how you can manage restrictions or the rules around COVID-19 when studying abroad. Indeed. And uh, COVID-19, of course, is still with us. The vaccine looks like it is still a few months or even a year away. And now many countries are adopting various measures to reduce infections. It can be very confusing, but we all need to understand and abide by them. That's true, Tony. When we had a look at this, we came up with six areas that we thought you need to understand and be clear about when you're studying abroad. One of the things that we haven't mentioned so far is our backgrounds as academics is in public health. But today we're not going to be talking about the public health issues surrounding coronavirus and COVID-19. We're going to be talking to you about tips that you need to think about and consider when studying abroad. So the first one is understanding the restrictions or the rules and abiding by them. It's really important because depending on where you are, they will change. They may be very different. So find information about the restrictions or rules before you travel. Now, it's really important because if you don't know the rules and you break them, in some cases, this could result in a fine or even within universities, you could be thrown off your call. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Tony? Just to make sure that you don't waste your time by traveling all that way and then realising you're not allowed to begin your studies or have to go under quarantine. It's very confusing. I mean, we're based in the UK, and at the time of doing this podcast, we're in a system where you have restrictions uh, based on a tier system. And uh, a lot of people are confused, even those who work in public health, I hear. Yes, I think that uh, people are being very confused by these systems, and also the fact that they are changing. And uh, there have been lots of instances where very prominent public figures have displayed uh, very publicly that they don't understand them either. So really, the best we can do is to try to find out what is going on currently by using the best information that we can find. And don't worry, Tony, I'm not going to ask you about the rules in the UK at the moment. So I'm delighted to hear that. Okay, so what's okay. our next tip? Well, think about what you need to pack before you travel. Now, we've touched on this in previous podcasts, and I'm sure we'll be talking about them in others as well. But uh, specific to COVID, really, first of all, any medications you know you can get in your home country and may not be easy to find in the host country, as long as it's legal, you might want to think about taking some of those with you. Find out about food items. There are some things that you're not allowed to carry into other countries. When I go to India, there's always things that I... Um... I really enjoy. So certain pickles or I'm addicted to a certain make of noodles. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it is unless they're going to support the show. And I think dry things you can bring back to the UK. But if you go into America or Australia, there are restrictions on what you can take. So be very careful because if you bring those things with you in your suitcase, they're perfectly fine. They're sealed, but there are restrictions and you're not allowed to bring them into those countries. Yeah, so it's worth finding out before you travel what's allowed. Otherwise, uh, you may face having them confiscated. Another thing that we've talked about is uh, making sure that you've got the technology that you need. 
Now, we've talked about making sure you've got a good laptop that's suitable for your course. But with COVID, it's becoming apparent that more and more universities are relying heavily on online learning. Uh, so it's even more important to make sure that you've got a laptop, storage and anything else that you might need, which will enable you to make the most of any online learning that might be happening. That's true, Tony. I think there's so many different models of, of learning that are taking place and so many different ways of delivery. And a laptop is essential now. So, you know, make sure you've got a good laptop. And just to, to mention one of the other things that I think people need to pack is face coverings. So a mask, you know, bring them with you because you may not be able to get them easily in the host country. So it's really important and many countries now are, are expecting you to wear a face covering in public environments. That's right. And I'm also seeing stories in the news about face coverings that are actually not effective. And uh, I'm seeing articles that are actually reviewing face masks and recommending various different types. So it's worth looking around to see if you can find something that is going to be effective. And so you don't want to waste your money or indeed put yourself or anyone else at risk. So our third area that we think you need to consider is how to plan your studies when you get to the home country. So find out about delivery models or methods. Usually the university that you're applying to will contact you and let you know, and they will tell you whether they're going to deliver online or whether you will still have lessons in a class environment. So whilst it may begin face-to-face, -face, it may move to online delivery. There are three main delivery models. The first one is when you're learning purely in class. The other one is where everything is online. Uh, some call it distance learning. But there's a third one, which is called blended learning. And that, as you can imagine, is where your learning is a blend of face-to-face -face and online. And I think most universities are going for a blended option now, aren't they, Tony? I think so. At the moment, I, I've noticed that there seems to be quite a lot of online to start with, but the intention is to move to blended learning and then face-to-face -face as soon as possible. I think it'd be useful to do a, a show on the different ways of learning and, and how people can get the most out of it. Because as we know, with a blended model, there are certain skills that you need to get the most out of the online sessions, as well as the face-to-face the -face sessions. And really engaging in, in that process is really important. Yes. And I think that certain methods suit certain people more. I was talking to someone the other day, a student who lives very close to the university, actually lives within a couple of miles of the university yeah. that she's at, but has opted to do the course by distance learning. And the reason is it's not that she doesn't want to go to the university. It's because distance learning suits her. It allows her to do the work, to listen to lectures and to do things at a time that suits her rather than having to go by university timetables. Whereas other people will not like the idea of that and will really prefer face-to-face -face teaching. Mm. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot now, Tony. I haven't, we didn't prepare this actually, but right. what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer online or do you prefer face-to-face? -face? What's, what's your preference? My personal preference is face-to-face, -face, though I can see that both methods, well, all methods have good points and maybe not so good points about them. The reason I personally like face-to-face is that it gives you the opportunity to interact very well. You can stand up and ask questions if you want to, but also you can talk to other students 
as well uh, in you know during breaks and things like that uh, in a way that's not so easy online. But then if you're doing online, there's always another way of looking at it. There are discussion boards. You can have breakout groups on um, electronic platforms. So really, I'm not sure that one way is is necessarily any better than another. Yeah, I quite like online learning. And mm-hmm. for me, the reason is that, you know, we've got all these different technologies we can use. We can record things, you know, you can type your notes. You You don't have to travel somewhere, so that's a good thing. Now, there's different types of online learning. And again, we'll talk about this in another episode, but the asynchronous and synchronous learning. Oh, yes. And I quite like the asynchronous. That means that you can do that anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So you just pick something up. It's probably a bit of reading, an activity. And and that's good because it can fit around your other activities, your other commitments. The synchronous sessions are the difficult ones because you have to make sure you're there at that time. If you're at home, other things and other distractions can get in the way. And you might miss them. Yes, exactly. I mean, one of the things we find is that we do have difficulties, don't we, with people attending the online sessions or actually wanting to to engage because I guess there's a bit of fear. You know, people really need to engage with those to get the most out of it. I think so. Uh, It's very important that you engage with the course and with the materials and with anything else that's on there, because otherwise you just won't get the most out of it. And remember that you're coming to university not to pass assignments, but to actually learn something. That's interesting because the assignments, that's another area that you need to consider. Are they going to be online or are they going to be in class? We are going to talk about assessments in another episode because in our experience, students from India may not have experienced the assessments that they will have in places like the UK or America, where we are asking students to write long assignments, probably 3,000 words or longer. One of the other things I think students really need to think about is when is the library open? You know, some people actually want to go to the library. A lot of things are available online, but... If you want to actually visit a library, you need to make sure you understand how you can access the library, how you can access the books and other resources. So make sure you find out about that before you actually arrive. And there'll be lots of information on the university web pages. Indeed, there will. Of course, libraries aren't just there for physical books. Uh, They also run workshops and seminars that can help you with things like academic writing and referencing, things like that. And of course, uh, on the subject of physical books on bookshelves, more and more we're seeing universities provide electronic copies instead. So it might be that you can get everything you need online or at least a fair amount of it. And I think, you know, making sure you know all the things that are available to you is really important. And there, there are a number of things that the university will make available to you. So in terms of services available to you, it's not just your lecturers. There will also be personal tutors, advisors, study skills staff, and other services. So understand how you can contact these people and you know how, how they would like you to contact them. Are you able to phone them? Is it by email? Is there an appointment booking system? Just get to understand that so that you can plan your studies effectively. And please don't be scared of asking. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking a question if you're unsure of something. It doesn't make you look stupid. It actually makes you look rather good because you're taking the trouble to find out. It'll help you too. 
it will help other students as well. So in the online sessions, we're always asking students to share those comments in those sessions because yes. I don't know about you, Tony, but I often get people afterwards emailing me a question and I always wish they'd asked it in the group session because That's that right. would help everyone. Yes, and there have been times when someone has maybe um, approached me with something like that, and I will ask them if it's okay for me to add that online so that everyone else is able to benefit from it. One of the last things here in terms of planning your studies is communication, letting people know what's going on. And if you're feeling unwell, keep in touch with people, let them know that you're unwell. You may be in that country, you may not have any other connections, so if you're on your own, you know, don't feel afraid if something's going on, just to let people know because they can help you. That's what they're there for. Yes, I think communication is very important. And of course, um, at some universities, they are starting to have policies where if you haven't engaged with anyone within a certain amount of time, they may actually throw you off the course and you wouldn't want that to happen. Um, so the importance of communication is emphasised even more there, really. So the next item is how to make friends when studying remotely. Even if you're not studying online only, studying in another country, if you're not careful, can be quite a lonely activity, and that's not going to help you. So form small friendship groups with people on your course. Have a support group. Keep in touch with each other because the others are going to be in exactly the same situation that you're in, so you can support each other. Recently, we had a group of students all from the same country at an institution I was working at, and they actually organised a great support group among themselves, and uh, they really looked after each other. So that's very easy to do. It'll help you. It'll help other people as well. So create some online groups. Use platforms such as WhatsApp and Facebook. And what about walking meetings? Uh, you can go out to the park as long as you're socially distanced, but you can still physically meet as long as that's okay with the COVID-related rules at the time in the country that you're in. I think those are really important tips, Tony. I think the point about being alone, you're not alone. There are other students who have probably come from your country studying at that university as well. So find out who they are. It's a bit difficult if your course is moved online temporarily, but there are ways of connecting with people. There will be online groups that the university will hold and try and network with those people. But I will say be careful not to just only socialise with people from your home country, because one of the great things about being in another country is learning about different cultures and getting to know different people. So whilst it's good to have that network, you know, create a new network of people as well. I think that is such an important point, Ranjit. And remember that you're coming to university to broaden your horizons as well. So why would you only want to socialise with people from your own country? The fifth area we considered was how you can make the most of your time in the host country. Now, this is a difficult one because if there are restrictions on your travel and movement, if you're not going onto a campus or seeing students in a class environment, then it's really difficult to try and get that interaction with people. But the tips that you've mentioned, Tony, about forming a support group are really important and, and good and will, will help. I think one thing you can do is if you're a member of a, a religious group, get in contact with a group in your the host country. 
they'll often have online activities and friendship circles. There's lots of activities going on. So that's one thing if you do have a religion that you follow, um, Mm -hmm. getting in touch with people that way. And going back to your point, Tony, about the support groups, if you had a group of, say, five or six people that you you form a friendship circle with, you could go on regular walk and just enjoy the local area. You're still socially distanced, so that's perfectly fine. You don't have to travel too far to enjoy a country. No, and of course, um, having the exercise as well should improve your mental health too. You see, bringing in your public health tips again, Tony. (laughs) So, I mean, the other thing is about planning and preparations. If your travel has been restricted, why not use that time to have a look on the internet, work out, you know, when things are lifted, where you're going to travel, how you're going to travel to that place and what are you going to do? So write your wish list and spend your time planning and preparing so that as soon as things are lifted and uh, things are better, you, you can hit the ground running. Yeah, planning is actually quite a bit of fun and it gives you something to look forward to as well because you know that when the time is right for you to do that, it's something which you'll enjoy. When I'm planning something, I actually get the the feeling of, let's say, for example, if I'm planning to go somewhere, I get that feeling as if I'm actually going. Next is staying healthy. And there's a few things that you might like to think about regarding that. First of all, if you don't already know how to cook, why not learn how to cook a few simple meals before you travel? Then when you arrive, you can be looking after yourself quite easily. I do think cooking is really important and learning a few simple dishes because for a lot of young people, they may be in a family environment where somebody else is doing all the cooking. And whereas before you may be able to go out and get meals quite easily, if there is a full lockdown situation, Just a few simple meals, I think, is a really good tip. Yes. Uh, In some countries under lockdown, you are allowed to order takeaway food, but of course that's not cheap and it may not be available. So being able to be self-reliant will certainly be good for you. And takeaway food may not be the best either. So if you can cook a few dishes, simple dishes, those dishes may be the thing that help you feel connected. What about exercise? Uh, we've touched on that with the walking. First of all, we know that taking physical exercise can help your mental health because it can make you feel good. It releases endorphins, but also it's healthy to exercise as well for your physical health. So make sure that you plan exercise. Lastly, in this section, make sure that you register with a GP or a medical practitioner as soon as you get to the host country. It's so important. The university will be able to advise and support you with this. If you do need medical help, it's far better to have already registered than to leave it too late and then be worried about how you're going to get the help if it's an emergency. So thinking about those things in advance can really be helpful for you. I guess we could talk all day about this topic because there are so many things to think about and and it's all those considerations that you need to make even when you're here studying abroad or before you even consider studying abroad. To manage coronavirus COVID-19 restrictions when studying abroad, we recommend six things. So the first thing we would recommend is to understand the restrictions or rules and abide by them. The second is to understand what to pack when travelling. The third is to plan your studies when you're actually there. The fourth is to make friends when studying remotely. The fifth is to make the most of your time in the host country by planning your time. And the sixth point is to stay healthy and to register with a general practitioner or a medical practitioner as soon as possible. 
And those six points are so important. Okay, well, as you know, we sign off with each podcast with one or two actionable tasks that you can do straight away to help you on your journey to studying abroad and to help you to successfully engage in your studies and in your search for employment after you've graduated. Yes, with so many great tips and advice, we want to give you something practical to do right now. So what can people do today, Tony? Well, what we suggest you do is to go to the government web pages of the country where you're interested in studying and read through their COVID guidelines. Understand these and keep checking in regularly for any updates or changes. We're seeing at the moment that things are changing very frequently, so it really is worth making sure you know about those and keeping updated. It may be that if you're already studying in that country, that you can download an app. Some countries have them. Well, England, there's an app. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, maybe that's that's a way of keeping up to date with the changes. So it's been great discussing this with you today, Tony. You too, Ranjit. Thank you. And remember, if you like the show, subscribe to our podcast on your listening platform of choice so that you can hear about the new episodes. Go to our website, thestudyabroadshow.com, and sign up to receive our free newsletter and download our free study abroad checklist. This is your essential guide to what is going to walk you through every step of the process and help you make your dream of studying abroad a reality. Thank you to everyone who has listened today. And until next time, keep focused, keep studying, and keep safe. Take care and goodbye.